did they even know that there's a world beyond the well, or was that their they don't own care. universe? They don't care. They, they just know. The they just know that person, that talent over there, offends me. I want to destroy it. Right. That tribe must be ended. Yeah. Uh, sounds like Apple and Samsung people. If they exist, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Mac bigot, but I have never owned an iPhone. So there you go. Same. Um, Heathens. Oh, bug off. <laughs> poor guy. Poor guy can't spend. Oh, see, bucks you're, on a phone. see, you're the problem. You are the problem, Abby. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have, have a any... new income tech. In tech, tech uh, look, income I don't family. have any gripe about the kids. phone. But see, I swear to God, my brother is the same, exact same way. He was like, hey, uh, hey, hey uh, well, uh, can you send me this thing? I was like, uh, uh, can you text me this thing? I was like, yeah, sure, why not? And then, like, when he looked at the text, I was like, wait a minute, what type of phone do you have? I was like, uh, <laughs> Samsung. He was like, oh. I was like, well, I'm like, okay, look, they're both great phones. Uh-huh. And at the end of the day, they both do the exact same can I, freaking thing. Can I break thing. for a second here? No. Piss off. <laughs> <laughs> Let me, let me finish my rant, and then I might decide if you can speak. <laughs> Welcome to the Stories for Nerds podcast. And now, with another epic episode here are your hosts for sfn welcome everybody and this is episode 9.3 of the stories for nerds podcast the show featuring a group of sci-fi and fantasy authors who not only love to discuss the latest adventures in books tv film video games anime and all other forms of nerdy entertainment but they also read and collaborate on stories as well and i have the pleasure of being here with scott parkin good morning eric johnson good afternoon and Raphael M. Jordan. Good night. We did it! Okay, we covered all the times of day. Good job, everyone. Normally we did. It's we did. Good evening, because good night is. Yeah, it's usually good evening. Whatever. Yeah, I know. I was thinking good evening, but I was like, no, nah, well, you know, it's like, hey, you know what? Newton. Let's just go ahead and call it a night. We'll, we'll talk to y'all later. Good job. See ya. But thank you for that lovely introduction, Abby. But yes, this is going to be our second Nerdy Chat episode. And uh, what we like to do with our Nerdy Chats, uh, we usually like to have a general overview of like all the Nerdy stuff we've been up to since our last meetup. But then we like to have some refined conversations. And this Nerdy Chat is going to be one of them. And it is going to be quite a meaty one, given the subject matter. So uh, we definitely look forward to getting to that. But before we uh, arrive to that point of the podcast, we always like to get some updates with the authors on the panels and their personal projects. So we'll start with our fiery redhead, Miss Goldsmith. What have you been up to on the right front? I mean, I'm still serializing Torth, and I'm working yes. on my new my new epic series. So I read I I read chapters to my husband as I write them, basically, and he's kind of the good barometer for how an audience is going to react because he's mm-hmm. my target demographic. Um, yes, uh, apparently he has saved many lives yes. for your readers. From what I understand. Yeah, and I'm really happy because the last chapter I read him, he was like, "I'm hooked." He's like, "This is it. Like, I'm addicted." So it's definitely working. However, it's a little 
far into the story, so I'm still a little worried about that, but eh, it is what it is, and I can always try to see if I can push up the hook a little further later on. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Very nice, very nice. Okay, and how about you, Mr. Parkin? Uh, last time we talked, uh, you had restarted your story from scratch, and so uh, have we made any, any updates on that one? I have not, unfortunately. I've been preparing for the uh, uh, annual science fiction fantasy convention that we run here in... Uh, oh, yes, 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 right. In fact, and uh, so my time has all been used up doing that. Okay. Um, do you um, know what the attendance to that one's going to be? Um, we get anywhere between uh, 1,500 and 2,500. Okay. And so this isn't the first time it's going to be in person since the pandemic, is it? No, this is our... Okay, we only, okay. We only did one online. The last two, I think, have been live. So, And this is our 42nd consecutive year. Okay. Nice. So, well, uh, hopefully it's a very good turnout. I mean, it sounds like... I mean, it sounds like it's everyone has always been a successful one, so... We should have, come to a surprise if this would not be the case, but yeah, definitely sign up so far. So yeah, mm. yeah. So how about what I have been up to since the last thing? Actually, I took a break. I usually write on the weekends, but I didn't do I didn't do it on this weekend because I had a family issue come up. But the previous weekend, um, I had. What did I do with that story? Oh, yeah. Okay, the last time we talked, I had ventured off to another story that sounded interesting. But then I, once I got into it, I was like, oh, yeah, no, never mind. Scratch that. So I actually went back to the standalone since um, I'm on the second phase of uh, not rewriting it, but I, I did the first run of the manuscript, and now I'm going back through it to refine it and everything. And so it's nothing too exciting to report. Actually, <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, well, um, I'm I'm pretty much where I am, where I was with the last the last time we conversed about it. So yeah, but I mean, progress is progress, but not, not nothing major to report, as 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 you would say. But um, before we get into our nerdy, chat, uh, our nerdy Chat episode, how about we do a brief conversation about the latest nerdy stuff we've been up to since the last meetup. Again, very brief because we got a mini conversation, but we can do a general review. Uh, so what, what have you been up to on the nerdy front of things, Abby? Uh, I'm still watching Bosch Legacy. Um, it's the spinoff of the Bosch series. And um, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, like, I, I just haven't had a whole lot of time to do much else. Um, but I'm still reading. I, I've been trying out a few different lit RPG books. Um, mm -hmm. There's, like, several that are really, like, highly recommended that I've been trying. And some of them are kind of bouncing off of. So I'm like, oh, well, not not quite for me, some of these. But um, there's still plenty more to try. So. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. Well, you, you, you win some, you lose some. Yeah. Uh, so, so how, I mean, since you're still... Since you're still going on with that series, I, I take it it's uh it's meaty enough for you so far. Which one? The sorry, the, the, first the one you were talking <laughs> about. Oh, um, 
I mean, you mean the TV series Bosch Legacy? Yeah, Bosch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's only got two seasons out, so, um, you know, I'm I'm definitely going to watch all of it. I'm, I'm already on season two, yeah. Oh, you're, oh, okay, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it'll, I'll be through it by the time we talk again, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, is season three, is season three already in the works? Is it going to be coming out this year? I actually don't know. Okay. Yeah. Like I'm not too sure if like if season two already if, if season two just recently ended so you might have a some a bit of a, of a break period or I I actually don't think so but I haven't looked okay. into it I probably should but yeah I don't know. and what's that on um I believe it's I believe it's Amazon Amazon yeah okay dang Amazon's really 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 upping their content they are with some hit and some miss. Yeah. 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 But it's just so far, I'm starting to hear more. It seems like they're starting to get a little more consistent with the hits and everything. Yeah. The yeah. Yeah. So, oh, good for now. Nice. And how about you, Mr. Parkin? I watched a couple of anime, um, a movie called Maburoshi, currently playing on uh, Netflix. Um, kind of a time skip thing where. As a result of weird events, some people are stuck in a town that is disconnected from time as we know it. So no one ages, nothing changes, and some people are getting really unhappy about that. So it's an interesting can, little uh, existential. Uh, can anyone get into the town, or is no, it only it's all okay? Locked down. You can't get in, can't get out. So is there like a bubble surrounding the town? Like, do the people know about this town that's frozen time, or is it just like no. out in nowhere? No one knows about this. No. And then every once in a while, when certain events occur, cracks appear in the sky, and you can see a different reality through the cracks. Um, and that's when they realize, oh, there's this, there, we're in a bubble reality. Aha! And then, the, you know, it's it's an interesting interesting piece. Um, watched a whole bunch of anime kind of getting into the time slash space dilation thing i ended up flipping over to crunchyroll finished watching uh spice and wolf uh, i'd gotten up through episode nine and i decided to go ahead and, and finish the series i had commented the first time through that it was interesting but a little boring well it turns out that as always happens on the episode that I stopped watching is when it got interesting. <laughs> so I started watching it, watched it straight through in uh, less than a day, and uh, enjoyed it. And the remake nice. is coming out soon. Which is part of why I wanted to do it, is yeah. I know they're doing Same. a remake, and I wanted to have watched the entire series through before I took a look at the new one. Um, yeah. Also watched an anime, hello, called... Noane uh, from about 2005. Um, it's one of those strange existential um, again uh, dimensional crossover. It's a multiverse type story where people from a particular universe are trying to collapse all universes into theirs. And so there's a battle between this girl who's the quote-unquote dragon torque and has magical powers to affect reality blah 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 uh very interesting i enjoyed it it's uh you know it, it was a shot at, at existential uh concept driven which then led me to watch a show called chaos head 
uh, which is another one of those. Um, I don't know what else to say about it. It's it's another one of those. Um, paranoid kid may or may not be a clone of somebody, and he may or may not have the ability to manifest superpowers while some guy, some religious, ecstatic religious cult is working with a scientist to take over the world, blah, blah, blah. Very strange stuff. Very, very late 2000s-ies. It is in a universe with a bunch of other stories, the next of which is Steins Gate. Mm, And that's what I'm about halfway through right now. Mm -hmm. And I'll watch uh, whatever the next one in the list. It's the... uh, they're all by the same manga artist, uh, author, and uh, they're kind of a, an extended, you know, related set of stories. So I'll watch the set. They're interesting enough. Uh, it kind of ties into our conversation this evening of, uh, of uh, stories that make comments. So, and that's it. Okay. Very cool. Very nice. And what about you, Mr. Johnson? Uh, so I've been watching uh, the normal ones, you know, uh, Free Rin, um, then uh, Banish from the Hair Party. I'm waiting for those both kind of to finish their second season so I can kind of steamroll through them. Uh, I added on three new anime, uh, one called uh, Healing the Wrong Way, which is a, another Korean-based manga. It's pretty funny where it's uh, it kind of it's another like Iske he. He basically has two friends who get summoned. He gets summoned with them, and he finds out he was actually summoned by accident. He's not a hero. He's just got tagged along, but he has healing magic, and everyone in the kingdom freaks out because the person who's in charge of healing magic is a like masochist trainer. And so they're like, we need to hide this guy until this blows over so she doesn't find him and claim him and start training him. And, of course, that fails. And it's, it's so far pretty funny. Um, the manga is really good. Uh, watching solo leveling, which is a lot of fun. I really enjoy that one. Um, the other one I, I watched that um, Scott, I think you probably might enjoy, is called The Eminence in Shadow, or The Eminence of Shadow. It's basically so it starts off with this kid who, when he watched superhero shows as a kid, he's like, that's what he wanted his life to be was to be a superhero. So he established it, and he kind of references everything as like kind of video games. He he basically says, okay, the only way I can live my life is I have to be NPCA, so no one will know that I'm the Eminence in Shadow. But it, but you know, and so he kind of walks around, and if he thinks you're important, you're a named character, and he won't do anything with you because NPCs don't interact with main characters, with named characters. But he also realizes that as long as there's things like nukes that exist, he can never be the Eminence in Shadow because they can easily kill him. Well, he dies and gets sent to a mag- and he dies, which is a whole other story, which you have to watch, and gets sent to a world with magic where he now realizes he has everything he can do to the end of some shadow, and he kind of, he is basically a sociopath, let's put it that way. He discovers his magic by experimenting on people, because he's like, I don't, you're not anyone I know, you're an NPC, I'm going to find out how my magic works, and experiments on them. Are you and sure he's a sociopath or, or a psychopath? Well, <laughs> he's probably a little of both. He's probably a little of both, but he basically... He basically ends up finding this person who is like just a mass of like meat and corrupted energy and goes, huh, I wonder if I can fix that. Fixes it. 
And then, of course, he's like, okay, now here's my first time being in the shadow. I got to come up with something good. Luckily, I've been reading some fairy tales. And she goes, why did you, you know, save me? He goes, because there's a cult named the Cult of Diablos that's going around and corrupting people who have hero's blood in them. And it turns out it's all true. There actually is a cult called the Cult of Diablos that is going around and corrupting people. And so a cult forms around him that they're basically now going against the Cult, cult of Diablos. And he's always just like, oh, it's so nice that they're filling into my my uh, my imagination. But... I'm an NPC. I gotta, I gotta make sure no one knows I'm Nimitz in Shadow. And like, I'll just say that my one of my favorite scenes that they have is he makes a friend who is like he calls a named character, and they have a an event as he puts it where the school gets taken over and they're about to kill them and he goes, no, that can't happen. A named character cannot be killed first. This is a job for NPC A. So he jumps in the way of the blade and goes, perfect. An NPC must be the one who dies first. Yeah, but what happens when it turns out that you're not the main character? You just thought you're the main character. Oh no, he doesn't. He he basically lives his life. An NPC. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, oh. he lives his. He basically is trying to be Bruce Wayne. Like he basically trained himself mentally, physically to be the best. But he's trying to. He wants everyone in the world to think he's just an NPC when really he's like a super, like a main character. Oh, uh, okay. So like I said, that's that, that's kind of the goofy part is that he walks around. He kind of walks around like he builds his entire life around trying to be NPCA, as he calls himself. So that way no one's... He is a shadow broker, but is trying to pretend that he's not. Yes, yes. And and while trying to pretend not, he attracts more attention. He does, But he's always like, no, I'm an NPC. No, no, I'm just a background character. Why are all these people trying to talk to me? Mm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a funny show. I, re- I recommend it. It's, it's two seasons are done. Yeah, and, and what's also really funny is Scott, he's obsessed with money, and all the people he, he interacts with like that he helps out, they get money off of his ideas, and he's like, dang it, why are they getting all the money and I'm not? Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, two seasons are out. It, yeah, it's on, um, it's in uh, Crunchyroll, oh, but not Crunchyroll, uh, it's on Amazon Prime if you have HDive, uh, HDive subscription or Hulu. It's also on Hulu. Um, but it, like I said, it's enjoyable. I, I find it funny. That's why I said you might like it, Scott. It's a good kind of palate cleanser and has just some goofy situations. Nice. Okay. So other, anything else? Yeah. So yeah, other than that, I've been playing Final Fantasy XIV. Started Persona Three, uh, Reload. Um, yep. Which I, I'm I'm enjoying. It's I haven't played Reload. I I, I want to get the PC version. Play it. Um, mm. So. Yeah, I, I forgot how dark the game was. I was like, I was like, oh right, yeah, this game is dark. I forgot that. The fact that yes. the evokers, you shoot yourself. Yes, yeah. shooting in the head. Yeah, starts out really yeah. dark. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. that's because I was playing. I was like, watch. I was like, oh right, they have to shoot themselves in the head with their persona. That kind of slipped my mind. I was like, I was like, then the entire story came back to me. I was like, oh right. D- d- disclaimer: this... They survive the, yes. the gunshots. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it, it blows their persona persona out. Their body, yes. So their body. That, that's the becomes yeah. inert while their spirit. Yeah, it, it's interesting. Like I said, it, it's dark. If you struggle with suicidal tendency stuff, I do not recommend yeah. the game whatsoever. Well, um, and this one, this one ends really darkly too. It does. Yes, it's very yes. Oh, yes, but it's it's kind of periodic victory. It, oh, he wins. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I so, appreciate that. I got the heads up now. So yeah. it's really good. But it, no, it's it, yeah. kind. It's very satisfactory. But it's. Yeah. 
it's not precisely happily ever after. Okay. Well, because if you know the source material, it's that serial. Like, because this is supposed to be a spinoff of the original yeah. Shin Shinsengumi series, which is a very very Shin dark Shin series. Or however yeah. Knows, yeah. Yeah, which is a very dark series, and this right. is one of the first ones where they tried lightening it up some. Mm. Yeah. And so some. it's still. Yeah. Well, it's still. <laughs> it is still dark, but it has a. But again, this is the, the game that got me into Persona. Mm, okay. That. Okay. Yeah, she, yeah, she, yeah, she made Tensei or something along those lines. It's, but it's really, it's, really good. It is. No, it, it is. is superior. It was why Persona became all that in a bag of chips. That the is true. Yeah, was, yeah. without three, you wouldn't have the mechanics they've developed into four, which then developed into five. Mm -hmm. And they've and they taken the five engine and put it into three. So, right. So, I mean, so so far, like I said, it's been fun. It's I'm just again going, oh man, I I remember I got to get myself ready for this because it it go, it starts off pretty dark fast, then lightens up, and then goes back to dark near the end. Mm, okay, okay. So you haven't played this yet, uh, right? No, I haven't. I've told him about it multiple times. And it, well, it I mean, like, it was on Game Pass, and so yeah. it was like an Avi, like oh, it has a, yes, please. It does have a much darker subtext. Yes, okay. yes, it, it is very. The yeah. other two do. But again, that's one of the reasons I liked it because it, it just because it was one of those games I was like, man, this actually is really dark for games. Yeah. yeah. Because I uh, the they had the Persona Three Portal on there, and yeah, that was for that was like a transfer from the portable version of the game, and I liked it. But yeah, 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 it was made for it was made for a portable device, not for a console. So as soon as they as soon as they announced that they were making a remake of the third one i was like oh yeah. okay well i'll just wait for that one to come out so yeah, so yeah i'll definitely get to it yeah but that, that's what i've been doing 14 in persona 3 okay nice um well i i i guess all the anime gurus here are are deep in on anime because um i finished watching zom 100 um i know that finished a while ago but um, I'm always like late to the party and stuff. I like to binge shows like well, once the whole thing is over with. Um, uh, and I, I I I liked it. It was a it was a fun, interesting take on on the zombie on the zombie genre. Uh, it was very lighthearted and very colorful. It reminds me if uh, if anyone's ever played Sunset Overdrive. That's the that's the vibe, I guess. Um, Scott, Sunset Overdrive. What it was an Xbox game. It was an Xbox game, uh, made by Insomniac. Uh, the people who made Ratchet and Clank and um, and and this and the latest Spider-Man games. But one of the things that Insomniac was known for were their over-the-top weapons that they had in in their shooting games. And this was no stranger. And uh, the platforming was really crazy, but the, the synopsis is is they're living in a post-apocalyptic world based on zombies, but they're not zombies. They're mutated people who drunk this energy drink, and it sends them into just a wild, crazy stuff. But instead of it being all dark and gloomy and depressing and everything, everyone, all the survivors are like, wait a minute, this we we're living in a world where we don't have to abide by the rules of society. We get to live the lives that we want, and that this is pure freedom. So it, everyone's like, "Yay! I can I can I I can go to the grocery store. I can stay up all night. I don't have to go to work." And that's what the basic premise of 
Zomwon Henry is. It follows this guy who who has he's become zombified by trying to climb up Japan's corporate ladder. And when the zombie apocalypse begins, he realizes this is like, wait, I don't have to go to work anymore. I get I've been living my life so misguided this whole time. So now I'm gonna make a bucket list of all these things that I couldn't do. And along the way he finds these other survivors and they uh uh have this journey about uh uh just trying to make it out to the city and trying to and the first season ends up with him trying to go back to the countryside to meet his parents because that's where he's originally from and and some colorful antics ensue but it, it was really really fun and I, I i really liked it so uh, the first season ended and i'm looking forward to the next one um i'm based on 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 Eric's recommendation, I started watching Free Ren uh, Journeys in. Um, I did hit, have to hit the brakes on it because it's still the episodes are still coming out. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. I'm at episode 16, and there's only, at the time of this recording, there's only 21 episodes. I'm going to be very, very very upset once I get to episode 21 and there's like a possible cliffhanger and I have to wake every single week like well, someone well, who... 17 or 18 is the end of first season yeah 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 I, I I caught that because like they had a different opening and all that stuff yeah. so um I so yeah I might be in yeah actually oh geez maybe I'm at episode 17 yeah so yeah I stopped but I stopped that again, though, because like at, like that last episode, they tied off a good, nice, nice pink red bow and everything. So it's not like I left any cliffhangers. But um, going back to uh, uh, Spice and Wolf, I'm glad that I segued into watching this show because I don't know if I would describe it as a as a slice of life anime, but it kind of is just because there there is this over there is this grandeur story arc that's happening i mean it's following the, these band of heroes who are on this grand mission but that mission is is secondary because the the bigger adventure is just the like yeah, it's it's the people that Freeman like come along the way and stuff. And I know that sounds cheesy, but that's exactly what it is because we're following this. <laughs> we're following. Uh, this is a really interesting take on survival skill because, like Eric described it as survival skill, and when I looked at and while I was watching, I was like, "No, this isn't survival skill. This is wait a minute. This is a hard way to describe because." We're humans, and we know we're on a limited time spectrum, whereas this elf, she lives thousands beyond thousands of years. So from her perspective, she has to watch all of these companions live very, very short, feeble lives, where for her, she can... She sees like, oh yeah, we'll just take a break in this town for the next ten years. Where and the companions are like, uh, the next ten years? Yeah, no, we're not. <laughs> so, so it's I, I, I guess the the journey about like the story behind Freyland is her discovering her 
humanity, quote yes. unquote, to an extent. And and I'm really, really enjoying the aspects that it's unraveling to that. So yeah, there is that big like, okay, you gotta fight the big bad, but no, that's not what the that's not what this anime is about. And I think that's why it's resonating with so many people. Scott. Go ahead, Scott. (laughs) We'll get to our conversation, and then I'll raise it then. Ah, yes, 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 yes. yes. I see what you're getting at. I see what you're getting at. So, to that end, uh, how about we get to some nerdy news where we have some sci-fi and fantasy book recommendations along with updates in nerd culture. So, the book recommendation we got this episode is called The Recycler's Paradise uh, from Dust of the Gods from author J.N. DeBidut. Um, sorry if I butchered that last name. Um, but this is Harmony is a mirage. Sure, there's safety. Everybody receives a predefined purpose before birth. The scarcity is non-existent. But there is a hidden cost. The law has reduced free will to a fantasy. People can make any choice they want. But obedience and selfless dedication to purpose are the only ones that do not have have or or that do not invite punishment beneath the imposed evil veil of peace and abundance however is a grim reality where torture is but one thought away war continues to fester in distant outposts the collection of interconnected stories exposes the pitfalls ordinary citizens face under the watchful regime that rules our milky way but they also redefine the meaning and origin of life itself so the stories within uh, this collection include the mandate of purpose, the illness of wayward citizens, duty between fire and ice, the refugee conundrum, the recycler's apprentice, doomsday, and brew of chaos. And this, these can all be found in the recycler's paradise, and this is available on Amazon. Okay, so we're going to backtrack because uh, there are a couple releases that we forgot to announce last episode. So these these are already out, but still wanted to uh, give them their, their due reference. Uh, first one, this one is a slightly controversial one in the gaming community. But hey, um, if if this is for you, if you enjoy it, then hey, we're not gonna we're not gonna we're not gonna judge. <laughs> Harshly. Harsh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll 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 talk about you guys off the air. How about that? We'll we'll do that. I support that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you. Good deal. Okay. But yeah. So uh, the last time we had an episode, and uh, between this one, uh, the Suicide Squad killed the Justice League. Uh, uh, became available on um, major platforms, including. Uh, PC, uh, PlayStation 5, and uh, Xbox Series consoles. So from Rocksteady Studios, the creators of the Batman Arkham series, Suicide Squad killed the Justice League as a genre defying <clears throat> their person where <laughs> the ultimate band of misfits must do the impossible to save the world. Killed the Justice League. Whew, that hurt to read. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway. Defying something. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So you get the players to Suicide Squad, including Harley Quinn, Deadshot, Captain Boomerang, King Shark, as they set out on a possible mission to kill the Justice League. Drop into an expensive and dynamic open world metropolis, ravaged by Brainiac's invasion and terrorized by the heroes who once protected it. 
So experience gameplay that brings together and a unique fusion of enhanced traversal game gunplay and melee combat, combining free roaming, exploration, and combat vertically for an unforgettable experience. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I that last part was an unforgettable experience. I wish I could forget it. <laughs> I wish I could forgive it, but not today. Okay, so all say, right. Say, props to you for getting that all out. Thank you, thank you, yeah. thank you. Hey, we did our job, guys. <laughs> High five to everyone all around. We did our yes, we we so yeah, Suicide Squad, if you like it, I'm glad that you like it. Good for you. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> But how about we clean our palate? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Moving on. But, yeah, moving on. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, and we had already mentioned this a little bit uh, briefly, but uh, the uh, the last time we had our uh, last episode, um, Persona 3 Reloaded uh, it, uh, premiered on all major platforms, including PlayStation 5, uh, Xbox Series X. Xbox Series X, and it might even be on the Switch. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm not too sure. I don't think so, because considering it took them a while to port PS5 that's true. That's to, true. To, to Persona 5, on, on the Switch. Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah. But hey, who knows? Maybe maybe it's yeah, yeah, online. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, uh, you get to step into the shoes of a transfer student thrust into an unexpected fate when entering the hour hidden between one day and the next. Awaken an incredible power and chase the mysteries of the dark hour. Fight for your friends and leave a mark on their memories forever. Persona 3 Reload is a captivating reimagining of the genre-defining RPG reborn for the modern era. Yes. Looking looking at the at the website for it, mm-hmm. it looks gorgeous. Yes, oh, it isn't is. it pretty? Yeah. Holy crap, dude. They really, really up the. They really up the. It looks, it looks like they, they rebuilt have to the charge game. Charge me seventy freaking dollars for this thing! Come on, man. If you have it on Xbox, it's free on Game Pass. We're we're Xbox. not sponsored by Microsoft, by the way. <laughs> I have a PS3 and a PS2 and a PS1. I don't have Xbox anymore. Well, sorry, man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> It's, it, 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 it's, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's, yeah, so Persona 3 Reloaded, it's a <laughs> so be sure to check it out. Okay, but between now and our next episode on, uh, actually, I think it's coming out on Valentine's Day, uh, Tomb Raider fans, uh, who were fans of the original trilogy, rejoice because Tomb Raider 1, 2, 3, Remastered is going to be available. Uh, fellas, I know uh, the link that I sent was for the PlayStation Store, but it is also going to be on the Xbox consoles. So discover Lara Croft's original adventures, lovingly restored. Play the original three Tomb Raider adventures for the first time ever. Play the complete experience with all expansions and secret levels on modern platforms in this definitive collection. So included titles include... Tomb Raider 1 plus Unfinished Business, Tomb Raider 2 plus The Golden Mask, and Tomb Raider 3 plus The Lost Artifact. So solve ancient mysteries, uncover treasures, the ancient world by, oh wait, excuse me, uncover treasures of the ancient world by solving puzzles and unraveling mysteries lost to the ravages of time. Globe-turning adventure, follow Lara Croft around the world 
and the face off against different foes of uh, against deadly foes and dangerous mess. Lovingly restored, experience the classic boasting upgrading graphics with the option to switch to the original polygon look at any time. So once again, this is Tomb Raiders 1, 2, and 3 remastered. This is available on the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series consoles. All right. Uh, final bit of nerdy news. Um, again, this is me just doing what I'm supposed to do, giving giving announcements on all the sci-fi and fancy stuff. And Yeah, so uh, by the time you, you guys get this episode, Halo Season 2 will premiere on Paramount+. Plus. So with the galaxy on the brink of destruction, Master Chief John 117 leads his team of Spartans against the alien threat known as the government. Once again, that's Halo Season 2 available on Paramount+. Plus. Okay, done. We're good. You, you know where to find it. And I'm not going to say anything else about it. <laughs> I've said my piece in the past episodes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if you guys are excited for it and enjoy it, Good for you. Happy for you. Thumbs up. But whatever the case, folks, uh, if you want to stay up to date with our latest sci-fi fantasy book recommendations, along with updates in their culture, be sure to check out the stories from our excuse me, storiesforers.com website, along with our Facebook group. So to that end, we have finally arrived to this very enticing nerdy chat discussion that we have, where we are going to be discussing escapism, or social commentary. Uh, so uh, the reason why this is a meeting discussion because like we quickly realized like, wow, where, where, it, where does one begin and the other one end? And, and the line is extremely, extremely thin. So um, I'm gonna start with the uh, general definition of uh, escapism based on uh, Miriam Webster's dictionary. So escapism is described as a habitual diversion of the mind to purely imaginative activity or entertainment as an escape from reality or routine. And then of course I also included an article discussing uh, social commentary. Um, and this article described it as an element of a narrative that levels a comment usually a critique on societal issues or general society as a whole. Any issue relating to an ungrained aspect of a society can be a target. The presentation of social commentary can range from obvious and on the nose to subtle and layered within context. So, all right. So how about we start with, with, with this question and, and uh, uh, ladies first. So uh, Abby, uh, <laughs> no pressure. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to segue this. Uh, yeah. But um, so which method of storytelling um, do you see our contemporary society gravitating to uh, that being escapism or social commentary? And do you find or do you think there are possible periods in which these might alter? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's it isn't really an either or question. There are people. I mean, like like the best fiction has both, really. But um, 
I would say that, yeah, like right now, cozy fantasy is popular. Romanticy is popular. These are kind mm. of a little more escapist than social satire. Um, and I do think that right now enough people are kind of feeling cynical and bitter about society that they probably want escapism a little bit more than a mm. dose of, of angry ranting news, which they can get pretty easily on Twitter or Reddit or anywhere else. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Yay, internet. <laughs> yeah. 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 Whereas, like, yeah, I would say, like, back in the 1960s, 70s, and so forth, people might have wanted social commentary a little bit more. Hmm. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Uh, what, what do you think, Scott? Well, I dug out my old uh, Perrine literature from 1983 when I yes, was in college. Yes, you did. To read from this introductory essay, escape literature is that written purely for entertainment to help us pass the time agreeably. Interpretive literature is written to broaden and deepen and sharpen our awareness of life. Escape literature takes us away from the real world. It enables, to, enables us temporarily to forget our troubles. Interpretive literature takes us through the imagination deeper into the real world. It enables us to understand our troubles. Escape literature has it as its only object, pleasure. Interpretive literature has as its object, pleasure, plus understanding. <laughs> I now set that aside because that's exactly what I think of it. Uh, there's a reason this book is no longer taught anywhere because that is the dumbest I've ever heard Because <laughs> my next question was like, okay, thanks a lot, Scott. Now tell us why it's wrong. <laughs> You know, and, and kind of to Abby's point, right, is, you know, I love that we that we like to categorize and distinguish one thing from another, mm -hmm. right? And it's important that we do so so that we can target audiences appropriately. But, and here's my argument, any story ever told comes with a context, comes with a set of assumptions, and is by definition a comment on something. Mm -hmm. It may be a simple com comment. It may be a, a self-confirming um, comment, but it's still a comment. So I think I, I don't like that, that dichotomy, and I, and I don't choose to use it. I think it's more a matter of levels. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I would argue that, that what the real polls ought to be is entertainment versus education or entertainment versus um indoctrination if you want to get <laughs> they, they call my literature escapist i call your literature indoctrination <laughs> right on dude so anyway we can have that conversation later on but yeah i think to the broader question i do think we're you know entertainment vacillates between that which is hyper realistic and that which is more um fantastic in, mm -hmm. in nature and i would argue that they're both filling the same need um but when things are hard in society we prefer to deal with those from a from a disconnected standpoint hmm. so that fantastic framework allows us to consider the issues with less pain but still consider the issues and come to conclusions with less sense of personal jeopardy. And I would argue that that is one of the values of the mythopoeic genres, science fiction, fantasy, horror, uh, you know, the, the so-called escapist genres. Mm -hmm. um, including, by the way, uh, 
romance. Um, hmm. But it's a different kind of thing that I'm not qualified to speak about. So, um, but yeah, I, I think I think we're moving toward. What's interesting is that I think that our our quote unquote escapist storytelling that is currently in vogue um, is not nearly the definition of escapism that has been common. For example, the Barbie movie. Mm. Is that escapism? Yeah. Is that social commentary? The answer is yes. Mm-hmm. It is social commentary put into a package that makes it sufficiently disconnected from your reality to actually deliver its conceptual payload without rejection hmm. or with less rejection, right. in my opinion. Um, not that it's devoid of the content, but that the content is packaged in a colorful wrapper. A very pink one at that. You know, because it is. Is literature supposed to be medicinal? Is it supposed to be something that you choke down because it's good for you? Or if, you know, it's entertainment versus education. Where, where's your where's your levels? Right. Yeah, the, the excess of one or the other is dubious. I don't think the things that I choose to consume do both. Yeah. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts, Eric? I mean, I would say we're, I kind of agree with all those and you can kind of see where we're at, especially if you look at sort of some of the, some of the genres that are currently popular, you know, the Iske reborn genre is extremely popular right now, which is they get away from your life. Reborn is someplace that's magical where you don't have to feel weak. So you have a lot of characters who are being like, I was weak, I was powerless. And actually, if you look at even some of the uh, examples of how they got there, you can do that. So like the examples used to probably in the early 90s was someone was murdered and they were reborn because they were murdered. If you look at the current storylines, a lot of them were I was overworked to death and I was reborn as, as a reward for being overworked. Which so, itself is a social comedy. Yes. Anyway, yeah. Serves, yes. Yeah. So so mm -hmm. it, it's I think it blends very much together. And, and as Scott said, it's very difficult to tell apart because, you know, I, like I'm if you watch a lot of current anime, like I know some of the ones I'm watching, it shifts from the early 90s where it was. Or a random mugging happened. I was either the hero or just a bystander who got killed during it. And I'm now reborn in this new world, which is kind of, and I was, you know, weak in this world. Now I'm strong, I'm powerful and have this amazing adventure. I have love. So it's kind of the commentary of, you know, isolationism, you know, being by yourself, being, feeling weak and being able to escape that reality to a new one. Whereas, you know, and also like uh, some of the more reasons I've watched, which is, you know, the social workers, like the workers saying, I'm overworked, you know, I'm feeling overworked. So I'm going to make a story about how I'm overworked and this character dies from being overworked and is reborn and now has all this freedom to do what they want. Mm -hmm. Which, again, a, a social subtext of that entire structure is the arbitrariness of privilege. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I'm reborn being exactly the same person I was 10 minutes ago, but here I'm powerful for reasons that are arbitrary and not within my control. That's a coping mechanism. That's power. Yeah. 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 So a uh, question for the authors. Um, what stories do you find yourself gravitating to? And I guess in this instance, I mean, we already pretty much says like, well, you can't have one without the other, but maybe you see like maybe the, the scale tips a little closer to one compared to the other? What do you think, Abby? Yeah, I mean, um, I've always liked sci-fi, and I think sci-fi in particular kind of likes to explore 
um, how society reacts to new technology or, or some new paradigm shift. It really explores kind of the social aspects of things. Mm -hmm. um, it's equipped to do that in, in a weird, fantastical setting where you can really drill down and examine that. And so I've always been attracted to that. Although I do think fantasy can do it pretty well as well. It just depends. So sure. um, anyway, yeah, no, I, I, I like both, but I will say that I probably have a higher tolerance for social satire than most authors tend to, to have. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, we just lost him. This one, it was his turn. <laughs> Well, folks, uh, so uh, we, we just lost Scott Parkin. Hopefully he, he returns <laughs> to, to fill in. But uh, until he comes back, I, I guess I will chime in on my two cents. I wasn't ready to do that. But hey, uh, sure, why not? Let the, let the moderator speak so happy. Um, but yeah, um, I, I, I would probably agree with you, Abby. Um, um, I do find myself typically leaning towards uh, sci-fi as a personal preference, uh, both from the writer standpoint and the audience standpoint. Um, and for me, uh, I usually go to fantasy when I don't have to, uh, not to this, again, not to say fantasy is simple or anything like that, but usually when I go to fantasy, I'm not so much worried about the the social aspects that's going on in that society just because i mean the the world typically the world in itself is so far removed from what we typically see on a regular basis it, it's easier to um disassociate oneself from that setting for me personally so usually i when it comes to my writing i i always find myself gravitating uh to the uh side element just because um, even in those instances where there are no humans in a story um, there's still a commentator and there's still a, a, a comment or, or a conversation that could be had about okay well we might even though we don't have humans in the story uh, we uh, you can still emphasize with them because they have they, they they have like certain elements or certain values that you can find yourself resonating with and 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 then certain structures that are really aren't that far removed so um that's how i would see it from my end um oh, how about you scott by the way welcome back <laughs> i don't know what happened i might have had a brown down uh here that caused a a, a glitch in the software because it I saw a flash of lights and then it went silly. Scott, um, don't go to the light. Come back. Come back. <laughs> so I'm, I don't know how to say this without sounding unreasonably arrogant. Um, hmm. I have published in mainstream, literary academic, slice of life, romance, science fiction, military science fiction, soft fantasy, military fantasy, epic fantasy, I have published in all of these. And every single story that I have ever written or had published was a comment, was a metaphor. Hmm. Every single one of them. 
because I don't write any other kind of story. So for me, you know, science fiction versus fantasy, I, I don't really see them as necessarily different. Now, fantasy tends to sure. allow us to be more heroic in, in more, you know, in a different sort of way. It, it creates a bigger distance, so I'm allowed to do certain things differently. But for example, you know, um, the Chronicles of Thomas Covenant, the Unbeliever, mm-hmm. um, which starts from a very dark social comment. A guy with leprosy enters a dream world, thinks it's fake, so the first thing he does is rape a, a teenage teenage girl. Mm. The morality there is hard to deal with, and this is the core, one of the core themes of the entire Lord Fowl's Bane set in a fantasy world with white gold as a as a powerful uh, talismanic magic, right? Yeah. And you know what they uh, not to cut you off, but they did something similar with Westworld because they're like, oh well it's just robots, so who 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 freaking cares? It's like, well, yeah, that is the question we had. I mean See, just because implied, in that, yeah. implied to that is exactly the question we were talking about earlier, right? Is sociopathy versus psych uh, psychopathy, which mm. is it when you don't care when you consider others to be disposable, even if that other happens to be a device rather than a organic being. And yep. this is something that we can do in the creative genres, in the in the imaginative genres, that are that are difficult to do without extraordinary. Because part of the problem is is that we allow inclusion, right? Because we don't reject you. Because we're distant in time and space, or distant in uh, space and and setting. Uh, sorry, and and situation, we create fewer points where you have to either agree or disagree with us you can merely take it in consider it on your own terms and move forward whereas traditional um you know literary academic or interpretive literature does require you to decide do i accept this premise Mm -hmm. and if i don't put it down because there's nothing here for you um unless you believe in the medicinal theory of literature which i don't so yeah anyway so yeah i i tend to gravitate i when i write i always have at least two layers and usually three or four to the story i'm telling i i everything is a metaphor gotcha okay so um how about um who would you say and we'll start with you again abby um, who would you say is the best sci-fi fantasy storyteller, past or present, um, that you think wrote the best story that offered the greatest essence of escaping from reality? Yeah, I mean, I would say that some of the the best examples of that kind of are like L. Frank Baum, who wrote the Oz series, and... Um, Pirate Abba, who wrote the Wandering Inn series, which is kind of like a modern day Oz. Um, hmm. These kind of things, I think. Hey guys, they are very popular. I mean, <laughs> oh, I don't doubt that. I so, no, yeah, we're just in popular. We're just not popular enough to read it. Never all. read Frank Baum. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, I look. I know I'm not qualified. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. We're we're sorry. Yeah, I mean that that's fine. Like you know, but you're right though that and these are the reason I brought them up is because they are very outlandish. They are these are works of fiction that really go deep into like the fantastical. And there's there's very little of our world in these 
in the worlds that they write about. Um, so, but I, I do still think there is some social commentary in their works. It's just that it sure. it's buried in like, you know, glittering green city and talking lions and things like that. So, right, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and at the end of the day, I mean, that's really what, what the question is. It's like, okay, which one gives you the greatest sense of Escape from Friali and does a thorough enough job filtering that social commentary to so much to the point that you're, you're, you don't even think about the, that aspect of it with even though like, even though it's there, you're, you're not like, yeah. once you're done reading the book, you're not going to, well, Go yeah, well, that's the thing. A, it's like, yeah. it's like Oz is, it's appealing. I started reading that when I was six years old. Um, it's appealing to a young child, to many young children. Um, mm -hmm. They can swallow the social commentary in it because it's so um, buried. <laughs> it, sure, yeah. it, it's, it's, yeah. it's like, you know, um, the fantastical elements are such at the forefront that people, uh, it makes the, the 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 weird social commentary aspects very um i guess easy to swallow or easy that you barely even notice they're there they're very buried yeah. yeah of course i mean we didn't think anything of it like when we were yeah reading or watching it that that first yeah time, you're not like like, like oh. doing a critical deconstruction when you're six years old yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, look at all the colors. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, for that, re that you could probably say the same for like most children's books or, or most like, you know, animated films and stuff. You probably could say that's fair. Things, yeah, so, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. But, but even then, uh, there there's usually some sort of morals like, well, uh, sharing is caring. Uh, don't forget about your friends. You know, really, really simple. Going back to what you're saying, easy to bite like uh uh messages that that kids will be able to understand and 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 digest and and not have another thought about it they're going to go outside and play or well may not go outside and play anymore maybe go out <laughs> get on the computer get, 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 get into their vr room where their parents aren't watching them yeah these days don't know what it means to play anymore <laughs> what's running uh, that's what those athletes guys do right yeah. so i used to play in a swamp nobody cared nobody came mm -hmm. to rescue me i yep. survived by my own wits mm -hmm. Sorry. wrestled gators and everything as a matter of fact the gators were my friends had an attack i apologize yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just had fuel to the fire. Yeah, but uh, but how, how about you, Scott? You know, that's a really hard one for me because I, I don't, I tend to like stories about something. Um, sure. So I tend to gravitate towards, you know, I love fantastic settings. I really do. So if I were to pick an author, and the funny thing is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name the same author in both categories, uh, Roger Zelazny who wrote some amazingly silly, imaginative... I mean, this is a guy who wrote Damnation Alley, who wrote um, uh, you know, a short story called Auto de Fe, which was, I think, a Nebula Award winner. Um, or Gene Wolfe, same, same thing. If you've ever read the uh, Book of the New Sun, Earth of the New Sun, mm -hmm. um, 
there's a lot of imagination there and it's easy to be transported by that imagination into a world that is not our own with assumptions that are not our own until they are uh, yeah. and I, I find that stuff just delightful i really do uh frankly comic artists do it for me as well as anyone else uh uh what was it uh, who who did uh who watches the watchman Oh, uh, is that Miller, Frank? Yeah, Frank. Uh, I think yeah, Frank Miller. I think did the Watchmen. Uh, he did the art. Yeah, he did it was, the art it was, for it. Yeah, it was. But, uh, but it he was didn't familiar. write it. Yeah, yeah. You know, but that's the thing is is the the degrees of transport there are are superior. And okay, I'm going to name one more. I know we're supposed to name one. I apologize. The one and only book that I ever read that so thoroughly transported me that I literally sat on an airplane for 45 minutes after everyone else had left. They had turned the lights off and I was still reading this book because I had time dilated mm. because the author so effectively drew me into the concept of time dilation that I literally lost track. Uh, and I finally got off the airplane when the, when the cleaning guy with the vacuum cleaner says, Hey, sir, would you please leave? <laughs> <laughs> I can't lock up the plane until you leave. Oh, and I looked around and I had no idea. I had wow. just completely spaced off because I was so engrossed. I was so captured. Uh, I had escaped so far that I was no longer perceiving reality here and now. Mm. That's wow. And that was um, Robert L. Forward, Dragon's Act. Gonna have to check him out then. Oh, that's funny. I read that recently. <laughs> It's a really fascinating, I, there's a separate conversation to be had about that, but Bob Forward and um, Hal Clement are excellent examples of delivering conceptual payload in absolutely easy to swallow bits. Anyway, moving on. Nice. Okay. I'll have to keep that name in mind. Uh, what about you, Eric? So mine might feel like a cop out, but I'm going to have to go with Tolkien. Um, just because you know, I, I I can see Scott, but I mean, it, to me it had it was one of those when I was reading it, it, it like you know, it it really like you know I got sucked into it, and when I was like you know it was like well hey, I'm supposed to be at high school when I was you know when I was reading the books, and I was like I really don't want to be in class right now. I just want to read this book. I just want to sit here and read it. Um, you know that's that's you know so when I was you know in between classes I was reading it, and I got home I was reading the series. Um, and, and, you know, I think it has a lot of good commentary. You know, you could look at Golem as, you know, greed, uh, what happens, you know, if you succumb to the nature of greed, you know, Tom Fiddle, uh, what happens if you just don't have, you know, if you just live life freely without really any rules or boundaries. Um, so, I mean, they, and they had very relatable characters. You had, you know, people who, you know, Frodo being, you know, Frodo and the, you know, um, Hobbits being, you know, these people who didn't believe they deserve to be on the grand stage of, you know, this adventure that they just happened to look into it, but were very key that it shows that even the smallest person can make a difference if they just try. Mm -hmm. um, None of which are escapist values. True. <laughs> that, that, that is true. But, but I mean, You're describing the interpretive, interpretive reason yes, yes. Enjoying it. Yeah. Yes. But, I, but, but I mean, but again, was, at the time that you're reading, reading that, it, yeah, it was, it was escapist. Right? Yes, it was mm -hmm. like it was escapist for me in a sense. Yeah. You know, if you're if you're looking at it that way, if you're looking for a book about escapism, uh, probably Narnia would be one that that I like just because you know you have that world world 
World War II going on, being torn on, and them kind of wanting to find their family and escape, and they get pulled into Narnia um, mm -hmm. and have their adventure there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. Then I'm going to flip the question and say, who's the best sci-fi fantasy author? You have past to or present? Question, Raph. No, you I don't. don't. Get... I'm... No, we're 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 pressed on time. I don't answer it. <laughs> I'm invoking I'm invoking my right. <laughs> but actually we, 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 we do have like several other questions. I want to make sure that we got enough time to address them. But um so who who you guys see as the best sci-fi fantasy author, past and present, who wrote the best story that offered the greatest social commentary? Miss hmm. Abby. I mean, well, okay, like leaving aside things like 1984 and Animal Farm, which obviously had a huge impact on society, you could argue, um, and is taught in schools and all that. Um, I would say kind of in more recent years, I would go with Hugh Howey's Wool, um, Matt Denneman's Dungeon Crawler Carl, Werner Vinge's yeah. work. Um, so, yeah, like, like there's definitely some people, I think, like those... Those are just some that I can think of off the top of my head that that are, they kind of go more to the social commentary or satire aspect of things, which I, I admire. <laughs> mm -hmm. Here, here. Yeah. What about you, Scott? I hate this question. Is <laughs> a list? Is a list? It's another list. I mean. Yeah. yeah, I haven't read. I need to read wool. I need to read anything by Werner Vinge. I need to read The Forever War. I need to read some of these classics that I have not gotten around to yet. Oh, The Forever War? Yeah. Oh. Well, okay, well, that's my answer. Well, you know my would have been answer to that one, but yes, anyway. <laughs> Seriously, and, and part of what happens, right, is is see, I don't know. I, I'm going to go back to Gene Wolfe because his his Epic works were always about something other than what they appeared to be. They were always second and third level metaphors. And if you spent the time, there was much to excavate from them. Hmm. In my opinion. Mm-hmm. That, that's a good one, though. Um, how about you, Eric? Um, I probably have to go with Ray Bradbury, uh, Fahrenheit 451. To, that one had like a lot of impact on me when I was growing up. I, I, Scott, I'm just going to stick with my answers. But, no, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have so many things to say, and I'm not allowed to say them right now. So go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I said, that, that's just for me. That's that's probably the one for me is Ray Bradbury. My only gripe with that one was that it was short. Actually. When, when I got to, and this was at that period where I was being forced to read stuff that I really didn't want to read. And that actually, the teachers actually landed this one story in my lap. And I was just like, wait a minute, this is, uh, why, why is, why, why is it, why is it, why is it over? Why is it done? There, there needs to be more of this, that this is how it ends. No, not at all. So no, I, 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 I thought Fahrenheit 451 was a really, a really defining for me personally it was a pretty defining uh sci-fi uh book because i mean up, up to that point i was just thinking well you know for for me sci-fi was star wars and 
Yeah. Star Wars is hardly even sci-fi when you really look at it. So that I think that I think I would say Fahrenheit 451 was the first sci-fi book that I was actually able to realize the social commentary that was to be had behind it. And, I, and not to say, and, and there are plenty of other books that I had read prior to that. There was sci-fi, but that was like the one that was like really like in your face, like, hey, this is something that you're going to want to have a conversation about with your not just your teacher because you know she's going to ask you like what the particular elements of it were no you're going to want to talk about this with your classmates and that was really really profound for me so yeah um so final question i think we're going to be able to get to is and is there a particular story be it any media that you find yourself revisiting for the sake of taking a break from reality? Or are you more inclined to return to ones that have a distinct message pertaining to a social matter or societal matter? Miss Abby. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, like I don't reread very much anymore. I used to. And back in the day, I would reread a lot of the Wheel of Time books as they came out. So Whoa. Yeah, I mean, you freaking monster. Um, <laughs> well, those are fun. Wow, um, but those are big. <laughs> yeah, that's that's part of the, the charm. She's like, yes, and yeah, your point yeah. being, I mean, like, like, that's part of the joy. Yeah, <laughs> bigger the better. I mean, <laughs> you say that as if it's a problem, Rob. Right. Size matters. Hey. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, I would say like, yeah, those books, they, like one of the quotes, which I'm Robert Jordan took from like Japanese philosophy or something was, um, the duty is heavier than a mountain, death is lighter than a feather. So, hmm. you know, it kind of delves into the burdens these characters must bear as they try to save the world and um, all kinds of interpersonal relationship issues. And they're, it's very much a, a soap opera and fantasy form yeah yeah. so um i don't know i thought it delved into all kinds of of it really got me thinking as a young person um and i think even now it offers a lot to think about like it's kind of a gift that keeps giving um sure i think people still find even now a lot of readers still find new things to think about in rereading wheel of time or revisiting it or reading it for the first time of yeah. course, I mean that's why it's considered a classic because there's a new generation of people of readers who get the same thrill of, of reading it for the first time, and that that's yeah. crazy. You know, I was just a that. guest on the Wheel Time Spoilers podcast. Um, mm. Yes, so um, yeah, and they it's like what they do is they read the wheel, they reread the Wheel of Time series bit by bit, and they cover they go into an in depth like two or three hours long discussion about a section of a chapter or something Mm -hmm. um and there's people that that listen to the podcast and chime in and um they live stream it and you know it's like people are still doing that even now even though the author's been dead for you know more than 10 or 15 years so you know i think that that really kind of tells you how big an impact it's had on people Mm -hmm. here here what about you scott so backing up to the previous two questions Philip K. Dick, both questions. Anyway, um, 
you know, I find myself returning. I watch movies a lot, mm-hmm. um, which is just a different form of storytelling. Sure, yeah, yeah. The movies I have watched more often than any other, leaving out the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which I watched for other reasons. Um, saw it 42 times in the theater. Uh, are Lady Hawk, Galaxy Quest, and V for Vendetta. Mm, All those of are good which ones. qualify as some combination of revenge fantasy, full and thorough escapism, and resonant and relevant. Uh, and those are the things that I've watched more often than any other things. Yeah, nice. How about you, E? Oh, I mean, going back and reread would have to be like um, Terry Goodkind's uh, Disorder Truth series. Um, the I, I do find myself going back and rereading Aragon every now and then by uh, Chris uh, uh, pa- Palaki or Bellini. Pa- yeah. well, mm-hmm. Yes, um, you know I occasionally go back and read those. Um, you know I go back and rewatch anime a lot too. You know, there's a lot of anime I go back and rewatch. Um, just because I really enjoy the story. Um, like, I think I've seen, you know, the Banished from the Heroes part. I think I've watched that in, like maybe three or four times because, you know, sometimes I watch it with other people. Um, you know, so it, it's hard to say just because I, I, I tend to mainly go back and rewatch like movies and anime. Like, Beat Vendetta is one I like to watch every now and then. Um, but, you know, gaming wise, uh, Final Fantasy. Same reason. Yeah, John Wick. I love that movie too. But, um, Final Fantasy VIII always holds a special place in my heart just because it's one of the first stories that really got to me. Um, and so it's one of those, I, I actually had like a yearly thing. I went back and replayed it at least once a year, played part of it at least mm-hmm. once a year. Uh, and I kind of deal with Mass Effect now too. Where I'll go back and play at least something for a little bit. Um, so, you know, Mass Effect's one, the, another one that I go, I find myself going back to a lot as well. So it, more for me, it's gaming and anime than, than books just because I tend to have a good enough memory that when I'm reading, I'm like, I know what's coming next in the book. And it just doesn't always excite me as much as, as visually seeing it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that never, Sorry. Oh, well, I was just going to say, and I've, I've usually been a one and done type of reader. Like once I read the book the first time, I mean, that is, that's it. Because if I, if I never even fathomed and which is so absurd. Now I think about it now, because I mean, I've rewatched, other forms of media but for me once i read the book the first time it's like oh well all done i enjoyed the heck out of it but it did its job and now i have nothing but the fond memories um so i really can't speak on like what it'd be like to revisit that um what were you gonna say scott well i'm gonna say two things first off i'm also not a rereader very often but having said that and i know this is going to be an unpopular opinion I have reread the Harry Potter series probably six times. Oh, wow. Okay. End to end. Uh, because it was an easy read that mm. gave me the transport. Talk about escapism. It was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It took me to a place that was easy to go to, entertaining, familiar enough to be, um, you know, relevant, distant enough to be safe. And, uh, yeah. But other than that, actually, The Count of Monte Cristo is the book I've read more often than any other. That's one of the movies I watch a lot. Love I love that movie. movie. Yeah, I've read that, that book movie. five times. Yeah. But I don't reread, and I've read that book five times, and I will read it again this year. So, I also come out, like, on rereading, so I, I don't always go back and reread the entire story. Like, there's certain scenes that stick in my head, 
and I go back and reread those scenes. Like, you know, like there's like a, there's like a bunch of different, like, you know, if I'm doing like maybe Lord of the Rings, I might, you know, the, the, the mm-hmm. Battle of the Two Towers, I really like reading yeah. that scene. Um, or, you know, going back through like, you know, Aragon, I really like you know, some of the scenes and like when he first finds Sephira or when, like his first flight or his fears of flying. So I, I more, it's more to me when I go back and reread it, scenes that stick in my head. Once I get past that scene, like, yeah, sometimes I'll keep reading a little bit, but like, I, I know it's coming. I'm just going to jump to the next scene that's stuck yeah. in my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny that you say that because as soon as you said, as soon as you mentioned that, I do, and I, I can't for the life of me remember what book it was, but there was one book that I did that with, like because like there was like this one, there there are several scenes that just hit me so hard. I was like, I'm going to read it again and torture myself with this rave of stressful emotions all over again. <laughs> I was, apparently, I was a masochist at the time. So what's got? <laughs> I've read Dracula three times, which is not a book you would think of rereading, but I hmm. have because I enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Um, so I oh, good job, guys. Uh, I think that's gonna wrap up the conversation. But yeah, we did it. Because, good job, folks. Because uh, when we were talking about this before the air, we're just like, man, ooh. This is this is a great this is a great conversation to have, but man, it can it can go off the rails really really easily. <laughs> so 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 appreciate everyone's feedback and, and your and your thoughts on the, on the on the topic. So appreciate it, thank you so much. But that is going to wrap up this discussion uh, concerning escapism or social commentary with this nerdy tab episode. So we will reconvene two weeks from now to. Uh, uh, have the middle section of our story by Nurse Simon. And Scott is going to be out the helm of that, and then I'm going to have to do the conclusion, but we're not going to worry about that. <laughs> but whatever the case, if you like our Nerdy Chat episodes like this one, or our story by Nurse Simon, be sure to give us a like, heart, thumbs up, stars, whatever source of this podcast is, where that's iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, no, not Stitcher, no more Stitcher, Stitcher's gone, but, okay, look, you get the point, et cetera, et cetera, but folks, that's going to do it for this episode of the Source Nerds Podcast, hey, I'm Rafael and Jordan, y'all keep thinking big, I like the level, this is Scott, Abby, and Eric signing off, uh, so, Scott, what's going to be the final send-off to our listeners? Escapism, social commentary, don't care, just read. Yeah, keep it simple. Missing out so many, and actually, I'll uh, and